started last week uh, talking about this thought that sometimes we walk away from things that we know that are good for us. How many of you thought about that at all this week? Have you saw something that was good for you? Maybe last week at the end of service, you asked Jesus, what's next for me? And he began speaking to us. And sometimes just human nature, the tendency is just to walk away when things get difficult, when they get hard, when we know they're good for us and we should do them. Uh, Maybe it's learning a new skill. Uh, Maybe it's meeting new people. Anybody ever walk away from relationships because it's just too hard sometimes? Uh, The famous one that we all can relate to maybe is eating healthy and working out. Anybody ever walk away from that, even though you know it's good for you? Yeah, yeah. I told you everybody could relate to that one. That's, I put a couple things on the screen to remind us of that. I have a condition that prevents me from going on a diet. I get hungry. That's, we're going to use that, Craig. I, I got a condition. It's called hunger. Uh, maybe, maybe you've seen this one. I wanted to work out today, but my body said no. There's, you know, you, you could go deep and spiritual with it and talk about the flesh versus the spirit, but that's just funny. Come on. In the natural, I wanted to work out today, but it was hard. So I walked away from it because my body said no to me. And sometimes we walk away, not because things are hard, but because something else looks better. Have you ever seen this one? Uh, I'm going to eat healthy. <laughs> and then the chocolate chip cookies appear. Come on, all this stuff. The moment you decide, I don't know what it is, but the moment you decide, I'm going to make a change, I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to do something different, all these things that look better start to pass in front of your eyes. And we really have to choose not to walk away. There's something about our free will that God gave us, the self-control that the Holy Spirit's developing in us, that he wants us to work on and develop the capacity to say, I'm going to be a faithful person. I'm not going to walk away. God, by your spirit, with your help, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And I'm not going to walk away from it because I know it's good for me. And I'm going to share today a few thoughts that this is an individual encouragement for us. Don't walk away from what God's wanting to do in our lives. Don't walk away from the things that we know are good for us. But I want to share a story that it's also a corporate encouragement. We, as the people of God, we can make decisions whether to welcome him in our midst or to walk away from what he wants to do with us. And I want to share a story from Mark chapter 5 today. Uh, You can turn there if you want. You can go home, read it later. Uh, You can flip on your device, whatever helps you remember Mark 5. Right before Mark 5, leading up to it, Jesus had just finished teaching a bunch of people. And he got in a boat with the disciples. How many of you are familiar with Jesus' boat rides with the disciples? Weren't they always exciting? It's like there was never just an easy, let's go and we'll have a nice little ride together. Something always happened. So they're in this boat. The storm kicks up. Jesus is asleep. They think, don't you care about us? We're all going to die. Man, anybody ever feel like Jesus is sleeping through your problems? Like, where are you, Jesus? Don't you care about what's going on? How many of you know he knows? Come on. And they're, they're worried. They're thinking, Jesus, don't you care that we're all going to die? He gets up. He literally looks out at the storm, the winds and the waves. He says, be still. And everything stops. And the guys in the boat are like, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who do we have in the boat with us that we're not even aware of? Come on, there's something in that for us this morning. Who's in our boat that you might not even be aware of him, but he can calm every storm that comes up in our way. So they, they do all that in chapter 4. They're, he's, they're looking at Jesus in amazement. Who is this guy? They get to the other side, and the most famous person in that region 
comes out to greet them. And this is what it says in in Mark chapter 5 after they land. It says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Everybody say, wow. Wow. That's like a real story that's in there for us. I've not yet met one person who ever said, Mark 5, verses 1 to 5 is my life verse. That whole bit about, I've, I've never seen it cross-stitched on a pillow or, or, or on a blanket in, in the Christian bookstores back in the day. Like, oh, look, that's a beautiful verse to frame and put on our wall. I've never, I've never seen this story painted on the wall in the nursery. Come on, they got Adam and Eve and all the animals, but they never have the demon-possessed guy in the tombs with the chains hanging off of them painted on the wall in the nursery. Why is that? Why do we overlook some of these stories? But there are amazing stories that are in here. Jesus was more than just a nice teacher. He did supernatural stuff. He blew things up and destroyed the devil's kingdom. There are amazing things that Jesus did. I think, I think it's pretty cool. We'll, we'll touch and tie this in later. But I don't think that storm that Jesus calmed in the boat was just a natural storm. I think something was going on that the enemy knew, yeah. I'm in for it. My kingdom's about to be destroyed, and I'm going to have big setbacks because Jesus is coming, and I want to stop him from even getting to the shore. Come on, sometimes storms in our, in our lives are natural. There's, there's no demon behind it. The devil's not stirring up trouble. Sometimes it's just natural storms that we're going through. But sometimes the enemy really does resist the children of God. He, he wants to stop you from walking towards Jesus, from being closer to him and seeing him move in your life. Thankfully, God will tell you the difference. If you just ask him, Lord, Lord, what am I going through right now? Do I just need to be faithful and persevere? Or do I need to start saying, devil, get your hands off of me? Because there, there are both kinds of storms. Don't treat them all the same. Ask God, what do I need to do in the middle of this? Because there may be times, hey, this really is just a hard part of life that I need to put my head down, keep going, and learn something. But then there are times where the enemy's really at work, and we need to say, get your hands off me and my family. I'm a child of God. You don't have any right to my life. So this demoniac comes out of the, the tombs there. And... Uh, he lived in a cemetery. It says he walked around. Can, you, can we just picture these real stories that happen? This guy's walking through the cemetery, howling and cutting himself with stones. That sounds frightening just to talk about, doesn't it? Let alone being there in the midst of it. And he lived in a cemetery. And it occurred to me this week that the devil wants to keep us living in a place where death is celebrated. Where it's, where it's just normal. You'll, you'll always be alone. It's, it's normal for your marriage to fall apart. Just, just do a little more of whatever that substance is to take the edge off and numb the pain. How many of you know those are places where death is celebrated? And that's where the enemy wants to keep us living. And that's where he had this guy because he was possessed by the demons. The, they kept him living in a place that always reminded him of death. There's no hope here. Life just ends here. God doesn't want us to stay living there. 
He's called us to live in a place of abundant life. He says that, that's what Jesus came to release to us. That's part of our inheritance. Every, everybody look at your neighbor and say, that's my inheritance. Come on. Sometimes we need to act like we really are his children. Like there's stuff that he's promised to us that we need to be seeing more of it manifesting here in this life. God wants us to live in a place of abundant life. And I, I think when this guy came out, I think some of the disciples wanted to get back in the boat. How many of us would have been like that? You know, oh man, we just survived the storm. Oh, look, there's dry land. I'm so glad to be here. You're stepping out of the boat. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> literally this, this cut up, bleeding, half clothed guy with chains hanging off of him, probably all disheveled, comes running wild eyed and crazy out of the tomb, screaming at you. I'm like, I'll get back where the storm was. I'm, I'm good with the boat, Jesus. Thank you. I'm just thinking of that commercial with the kids running around. They're like, what should we do now? Let's go hide in that shed with all the sharp tools. Why do, I don't know why people do what they do, but I think I would have gotten the boat. I think Thaddeus was probably thinking, man, I'm the background character that's going to get killed off first. I'm, I'm like the guy in the landing party in Star Trek that was always wearing the red uniform. You knew your number was up. That's, that's it for you. I don't know what the disciples were thinking, but they were real guys, and I think this might have terrified them a little bit. I think they were thinking, this, is, this looks bad. He's crazy. He's, he's doing wild things. And in spite of that, this was not, whatever you're picturing in your head right now, there was crazy demoniac guy all cut up. Whatever you're picturing, this was not the picture from whatever Hollywood exorcist film you're thinking of. I think one of the greatest disservices to the body of Christ has been how the entertainment industry has depicted the devil. Because what, what do you see in the movies? It's always the scared little priest hide, trying to hide behind his crucifix and hoping, I hope I don't get killed right here. This is what happened in the story, the actual story of the demoniac, the demon-possessed crazy guy coming to meet Jesus. It says in Mark chapter 5, verse 6, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. It's getting exciting now, isn't it? The, the stuff is happening. The demonized guy was running towards Jesus. Not, not like, oh, we got to go find him or he jumped a jump scare like in the movies. He's, he, we're walking among the rocks and all of a sudden, Bleh. Like, it wasn't like that. This guy saw Jesus from a distance and began to run towards him. This is like when the balloon popped a couple weeks ago. I, I think the disciples, they saw the demonized guy running towards him and they looked at each other like, are you packing? You got your sword on you today? We, we're going to need it. It's about to get real right here. This guy came running at them. And then the craziest twist in the story happens in that verse. The demon-possessed guy bows down at Jesus' feet. The same way, if you study that, that's the same way a defeated enemy would have bowed before a king that had conquered them. They're coming to grovel. Please don't kill me. Don't execute me. You've already won the victory. You've defeated. I'm, I'm just begging for my life. That's the context of what type of activity it says when he bowed down at Jesus' feet. 
I know you're the winner. Please don't torture me. What a thought. He declares Jesus to be the son of the most high God. What were the disciples thinking in that moment? Because when Jesus calmed the storm, even after that miraculous thing, they still looked at each other and they were like, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves, they were wondering. There was still some questioning going on in their heart. Who is this guy that we've had in the boat with us that even the winds and the waves would obey him? And then the demon-possessed guy knows it better than them. You're the son of the most high God. What would the disciples have been thinking at that moment that they could have learned? (laughs) Oh, that's a ridiculous thought to think that I could learn a lesson even from what the enemy's stirring up. Man, we were asking, who is he? And here's this crazy demonized guy bowing at Jesus' feet, declaring that you're the son of God. And he begs Jesus, please don't torture me. I think people that don't know Jesus, they fear the devil. But the devil fears people who know Jesus. We got to get that straight in our head. If you don't know Jesus, you may have a reason to be afraid. There, there may be something that you would run a run and cower and hide from. But if you know Jesus, you have no reason to be afraid. You, we serve the king who's already conquered everything. He lives in us and he goes wherever we go. He's faithful to never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us at all times. We need to know that and own it deep inside of us. When I know Jesus, I don't have to live in that graveyard anymore. I can look at the circumstances and what the enemy's doing and say, your power is broken. I don't have to live in this place anymore because I serve the king who's already defeated you. And I think the, the enemy is afraid of that, that believers will actually believe and come to a place where we know who we are and what Jesus has done for us. It says that the demon begged Jesus not to torture it because it says in that verse, Jesus had already said, come out of him. Wait a minute. Verse, verse 5 said that Jesus was still some distance away. When did Jesus say, come out of him? Maybe. can't prove this from the text explicitly, but maybe just go with me for a minute. Maybe before the storm kicked up in the boat. Maybe Jesus knew what was going to happen. The Father had already showed him. He knew he was going to set this guy free. Maybe, just maybe, in the middle of the sea, he looked out towards that coastline and said, Come out of him, you evil spirit. And then all of a sudden, the waves and the wind kicked up. Just saying. Jesus was still a great distance off, but the text says he had already said, Come out of him, you evil spirit. Jesus will start speaking to our problem before we're even aware of it. Come on. There are times when we're going through stuff and we need to know somebody is on our side who already knows how it's going to work out. He's already got a plan in motion. He's already got the power to cause it to happen. We get so worked up in looking and making big mountains out of these little things that Jesus has already spoken to. Maybe we need to start just listening, Jesus. Let me hear your voice louder than those winds and the waves around me. Lord, Lord, I, I always, this is one of the things I pray. We always talk about in God's timing. Like who answer prayers in, in his timing. I'm okay sometimes. I ask God frequently, Lord, could you move the timing up a little bit? If it's, if it's okay with you, could I hear something a little sooner? 
Sometimes he answers that, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it's at the last minute he comes through and says, here's what you need. I had, I had a friend, uh, he, he was a, a worship leader that we used to play music with, and he would have this recurring dream where he was in front of this huge crowd of people and he needed to go out and play music and lead worship or do whatever it was, and he didn't have anything with him. And in this dream, he was like, every time, just as I was about to walk out on stage with nothing, Jesus would show up and hand me a guitar. Thank you, Lord. That's right what I needed for this situation. How many times does Jesus do that? Where we don't see it, we don't see it, we don't see it, and then right when it's needed, he comes through. And once again, we're left saying, sorry I doubted you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for coming through for me. Jesus had already said, come out from him. Man, don't walk away. When, when we walk away from our problems, it's like we're carrying our problems away from the very place where they need to get set free from them. Man, God, if I just would have stayed in that spot and not walked away, I would have seen deliverance. I would have seen salvation. I would have seen something happen to change my circumstances. <laughs> I had this picture this week. I think God is up there sometimes like Jerry Maguire saying, Help me help you. You guys remember that movie? Maybe not. Man, it's getting old now, but that'll, that'll preach. Come on, Jesus is up there. He's already spoken to our problem. He's wanting us to hang on to see the answer come. He's up there saying, help me help you. Just don't walk away. Just be faithful. Just see what I'm going to do. Come, come and be next to me so that you can see my deliverance happen. Help me help you. I think that's part of what we get to do, the choices we make, the self-control we have, the free will he's given us. We get to choose what we're going to do in that moment. Don't Let's not get outrun by the demon-possessed guy. He ran towards Jesus full steam. And who knows, the disciples were maybe getting back in the boat, wondering what was going on. Don't get outrun by the demon-possessed guy. Run to Jesus as fast as you can. Whatever context that is for you, whatever makes you feel closer to Jesus, if it's sitting in a, in a room and putting worship music on, if it's praying in your car, if it's going out for a walk somewhere saying, i got to get with just Jesus right now, whatever that is, run towards him faster than the devil would. Man, then there's a fascinating conversation in the story. Jesus asked the demon, what's your name? The demon says, my name is Legion. Come on, what voice do you think he used? I don't think he used the Mike Tyson voice. Like this tough guy, you know, he's, he's all scraggled, and he's cut, and he's bleeding, and chains all of him. He says, my name is Legion. I just don't picture that in the story. I'm, I don't know, maybe that's the Hollywood coming out. I, I picture the guttural voice, my name is Legion, maybe with like extra overdubs on it or something. So it sounds, I don't know how that sounded, but the demon said, my name is Legion because there's a whole bunch of us in here. Talk about the guy having a condition that needed deliverance. Everybody standing there and everybody that read this account later, all those first century Jews, they would have pictured the Roman army and hundreds of troops because they called them legions. That's how they organized the army. They would have pictured the multitude of troops and the destruction that they could cause. 
when that guy said, my name is Legion. And just when you thought the story couldn't get any stranger, this is what it says in in verse 11 of chapter 5 in Mark. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Everybody say, what? Just like that, with that little inflection. What? What? What do pigs have to do with this story? We were just talking about a crazy demon-possessed guy that's groveling on the ground saying, don't torture me, and all of a sudden we're talking about pigs. And it says there happened to be this large herd of pigs feeding nearby, and the demon said, send us into those pigs, let us enter them. This is a crazy story, isn't it? Can we just agree with that? I think, I think they asked about the pigs because the cats were already occupied. <laughs> I just stirred it up with a bunch of people. I'm going I'm to get something after service for that. No kittens for presents, please. That's, come on, there really should not have been pigs there. This, this was still an area where Jewish people lived, and pigs were unclean by the law. There should not have been any pigs around right now. And most commentaries agree that the pigs were probably kept by Jewish people who had figured out, how can I hire people to tend the pigs so I can make money selling them to the Romans and the other Gentiles. They were disobeying God's law to raise these pigs because they could profit from it. Man, sometimes I feel like we hold on to stuff because we think it's giving us security. It's making a profit. It's giving us safety and stability. And it's really not godly. And I don't know what it is. Fill in the blank for yourself. But don't hold on to it because Jesus will come and disrupt it. Mark 5.13. Not only is it amazing that they asked about send us into the pigs. It says Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Jesus, how could you be so cruel? The poor animals, the poor pigs went in the water. You, come on, did we picture this? I feel like this would be a reaction people would have. Jesus, you just disrupted. You put all those pig farmers out of a job. You just hurt the economy. I don't don't know. I'm, I'm doing the whiny voice on purpose. Whatever they were saying to Jesus, he did something that they were upset about. They, they estimate that the current modern-day value, that would be anywhere like losing half a million to a million dollars worth of pigs. I feel like somebody's probably a little upset that this just happened. But Jesus, I think, always disrupts our status quo. Whatever we've been relying on that's not him whatever we've been developing, our plans and our systems that isn't godly, he'll come and shake it up. He'll come and disrupt it. He'll cause something to happen. Especially he disrupts the status quo when it comes to trusting in things besides him. Come on, just when we thought we've justified our behaviors, we've gotten complacent, we've learned to live with what's not right in society, Jesus will come and shake it up. And you might think the pigs... And them dying in the lake is the weirdest part of the story. But this is what it goes on to say in Mark 5, 15. It says, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. This is the crowd from the town nearby. 
They came out to see what the commotion was. And it says, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Verse 17 there might be in my top five for the saddest verses in the Bible. That the crowd, we we talked about not walking away as individuals, of drawing closer to him, but here's the crowd. The people have authority for what happens in that region. This is our land. We get to decide what happens here. And the entire crowd comes out and says, Jesus, leave. Just go. Leave us alone. A miracle is sitting there in front of them. This guy that was crazy and demonized, he's completely delivered and sitting there in his right mind, able to have a conversation with them, keeping clothes on, not cutting himself or howling anymore, wanting to get out of the graveyard. The miracle is sitting there before them, and the crowd has the nerve to say, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want what you have to offer. We really do have control over how much of his presence we feel in our individual lives. And we have a say in what happens in our region, in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces. We have a voice that we can either say, Jesus, we'd like you to stay and do more of this. Or we could say, Jesus, we need you to go because you're making us too uncomfortable. What would it look like if Jesus started to move among us and we actually invited him to stay and do more of it? But Jesus, those people that you sent in the door to the church last Sunday, they were kind of shaky there. I I didn't want to sit next to them. They were weird. Come on, I'm just saying real stuff. Like, let's, let's take it out of theory for a minute and express feelings that we've actually had sometimes. Jesus, you know, pastor said that was the Holy Spirit, but that was kind of strange when that person started to cry and shake a little bit while you were praying for them. I don't know what Jesus wants to do all the time, but I know when he starts to move, we have a choice as the people to say, okay, God, we'd like to see you set more people free. We'd, We'd like to see you move and bring deliverance and salvation or we can say, that makes me uncomfortable, Jesus. I'd, I'd prefer to go back to just normal and safe, whatever it is. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your presence. And it's not just here at church. I'm just using those as examples because that's where we are right now in the moment. But this could happen in your home. In your workplace. I don't know. For me, I think about what is... There, there are groups of people, whole people sometimes, that we say, I don't want to be around those people. Whatever fill in the blank for that, it, it, you don't see it so much as a color of people's skin anymore. 
but you may see it as, oh, those people are somewhere on the LGBT spectrum, or, or those people swear too much, or those people, whatever it is, there's groups of people that what if Jesus starts sending a whole bunch of them into our sphere to be in relationship with us? Yes. Would we say, yes. Jesus, please stop. I'd like you to leave now. Or would we stop and say, okay, Lord, I don't really understand it. I don't know it all, but I see you moving. Yes. And I don't know why you've brought me into this place and given me a voice to begin to speak and declare things, but I'm going to do it because I trust you. This is the action item I want to end with this week. Invite Jesus to make himself at home. We're going to do that here. I'm going to pray in just a second. We're going to do that corporately as a church. We're going to make sure Jesus knows this is still his place. It's not, it's not my church. It's not anybody. It's Jesus' church that he's building. We're going to make sure he still knows that and he feels welcomed here. But I'm encouraging you, invite Jesus to make himself at home wherever you go this week. Maybe start at home this afternoon. Get, if, you're, if you're married and you've got kids, gather everybody around the table. Say, we just, we just want to invite Jesus to let, make sure he knows that he's welcome here and he can do whatever he wants. Maybe it's in the office. Does anybody, does anybody have the, the privilege or the honor to get to work with people who are also Christians? Maybe gather a couple of them together and say, you know what? As Christians, we're just going to say, Jesus, you're welcome in this workplace. Start to move here. Change the atmosphere. Do whatever you want to do. I don't want to be in that place where they would look at our story and say the crowd stood on the shore and said, Jesus, we'd like you to leave now. You're, you're causing too much trouble here and you're disrupting things. I want us to be the people that say, Jesus, you're welcome here. We, we, we're going to stand by you with whatever you want us to do and we're going to see this region and our lives change. We're going to see our communities set free and not live in graveyards anymore. Let's go ahead and stand together. here in this place today or you're watching online and you've never started a relationship with Jesus you don't know what it would be like to experience peace and salvation and freedom maybe you feel like you've been living in a graveyard and you'd like to know him I'm just going to invite you today uh, even as we as we close out the service to come meet us up at the cross if you're watching online you can send us an email we'd love to pray with you and help you learn what it means to, to follow Jesus, to invite him to be your Lord and your Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this room today. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. just say to you right now that this space is yours to do whatever you want to do in it. Jesus, <laughs> I would like to say we're not going to shrink back if you bring in the demon possessed in those things, but we might want to get back in the boat sometimes, but that's okay because we're together. And between all of us, 
we're going to encourage each other to keep taking that step forward and see what Jesus wants to do. So Jesus, whoever you want to bring through the door, whatever you want to do to set people free, whatever you want to do to let your kingdom come for your righteousness, peace, and joy to, to begin to develop in our lives, we say yes, Lord Jesus. You are welcome at all times here. God, we ask right now uh, for anybody that's coming to our mind right now, Lord, if, if you're dropping somebody in our heart, a friend, a family, a coworker, Lord Jesus, we just ask that you would begin to move in their lives. Lord Jesus, we ask for salvation and deliverance. Where, wherever people have been going through storms, whether they're natural or caused by the enemy, we just thank you for your deliverance coming. God, when when we see those things happen, let us be ones that say, yes, Lord, thank you for your presence. Do more of it, Jesus. Let us be ones that would open our mouths and testify about your goodness and who you are. God, let our lives be living testimonies of what you've done and want to continue to do in the earth today. God, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let us go know that we have the king of the whole universe, the winner of it all, the victor of all victors, living right here inside of us, that you go with us everywhere that we go. We just honor you and we give you glory now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.